0: We're in a series right now called uh, Pressing On. Will you say that with me, Pressing On? I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to read the scripture behind me. And I just want everyone to read it with me. This has been an ongoing scripture that I've used. And uh, we're going to see what the Holy Spirit uh, does tonight. If you, on the count of three, would begin with me on this scripture. One, two, three. Not that I have already attained or I am already perfected but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing that I do, forgetting those things which are behind and pressing forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I want you to, before you sit down, I want you to think about this, reaching, Paul talked about reaching forward to those things ahead, reaching forward, he talked about, I press toward goal, he talked about for the prize, and he talked about the upward call, say that with me, upward call, I want to talk a little bit about that upward call, and uh, every one of us has an upward call in this room, and I just want to kind of shine some light on that as the Holy Spirit leads us tonight. Pray with me right now. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your amazing word. Father, we live, we we move, we, 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 we eat your word. You're, we're all about your word. Everything that we know about you is because of the, your word. You made everything out of nothing because of your word. Heavens and earth will pass away, but not not one tittle of your word. So, Father, we just lift up this time and ask that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. High five, your neighbor, and say, pressing on. pressing on. You can be seated. I want you to look at that word Paul talked about. He pressed on into his upward call. Say that with me again. Upward call. Upward call. call. It is a it's an invitation. Each one of us has an invitation there's everyone in this room we all to some degree have the same call we're going to talk about that, that tonight uh, there's not a person in this room I may preach from this stage but there's a there's certain aspects of what we are all called to and you can't get out of it and go well I'm not JO or someone on staff therefore that's not me no we're all called To an upward call and we're all called as the body of Christ to do certain things. We're going to talk about that but that calling means an invitation, a vocation, a calling or a calling to. Invitation to the feast of divine invitation to embrace salvation of God. God. He draws us and he calls us. Another form of that calling would be like hey! Call. He calls. Hey! He's calling you. He calls me and you. He calls us, and he calls us, and he draws us. He draws you and I. John six forty four says this, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. You're here tonight because you have been drawn. If you're a believer, it's not because you chose, it's because he chose you. Don't ever think that it's because you got it all together and somehow you made the perfect decision to serve jesus and it was all on your account no i got news for you you're here because he drew you you're here because he called you you're here because he chose you okay no one comes to the father unless he's drawn by him and i will raise him up at the last day that draw it's kind of a unique it's it means to draw but it also means to drag. How many of you felt like maybe Jesus dragged you into himself? <laughs> he he kind of dragged me, and I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. But he draws us, he drags us inward. There's an inward power, there's an inward leading, and an impel by the Father that he, call, he first draws us, or drags, and he draws us, but he also calls us. This is what you and I all are called to. I want you to listen to me real good tonight. Because when you stand before God, you can't say, well, JL never told me that. Okay? I don't care what your personality is. I don't care what distaste that you've taken. I don't care if you're quiet, you're loud. You're qu- I, I, I don't care. We're all called to certain things. You're called to be a fishers of men. Amen. Everyone say amen. Amen. You are called to be a fisher of men. You can't bail out of that. Okay. You're called to make disciples. Every one of us. This thing is called, say this with me, the great commission. Every one of us is called to the great commission. You're, You're called to preach the gospel. Jo, I'm just not like you. I'm not Billy Graham. I'm not. Nobody needs you to be like me or Billy Graham. The greatest evangelist you'll ever be is be you. But you have to be you. You can't say, Jo, I'm just quiet. I'm never going to preach. I'm sorry. That doesn't cut it. The Great Commission is for us to preach the gospel. You're called. I, I want when you stand before God, you can't point the point the, point the, point the finger at Jo or somebody else. It's like, you know, every one of us is called to this. Now, we're going to talk about something else tonight, a little different, that we're not all called to, but there's certain things that you and I are called to. We're called to preach the gospel. We're we're called to, to build the kingdom of God, every one of us. You and I, we're all called to build the church. He builds it, but we build the church by building people. You can't bail and go, I didn't feel like I had the goods. You know, I didn't know the Bible. You have a testimony, you can buy a Bible, and we're all called to it. Okay, you can't say, well, I just never gave my... Nope, everyone say, "No no excuses. I'm letting you know tonight. We're called to these different things to do the work of the ministry. We're called to fulfill the Great Commission. Let me read it, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And there's also a Great Commission... Uh, in, in Mark, it sounds a little different, still the Great Commission. It's, 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 this, this scripture is for everyone in this room. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. People say, Hey, J.O., can I baptize people? Fathers want to baptize their kids, mother wants to get. Absolutely. Show me in the Bible where you can't baptize someone. We're all called the baptized. You don't have to have a license to baptize. Amen. You need to be a believer in Jesus Christ. Okay. Teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. This vision that I just shared was a vision that Jesus shared with his disciples. And this vision is for you and I also. It's important that we all have this same vision, no matter your background, however you've long or have known Jesus. If you've known Jesus one day, there's people that's not known him no days. You've known him for one year. Find someone that's known him for nine months. Whatever. My point is that we we all share this calling. We all share this vision. There is a drawing. There is a dragging. There is a general calling. It's an upward call. Say that with me, upward call. To me, that would be the upward call that we all share. Paul was all about the upward call of preaching the gospel. Paul was all about going five evangelistic journeys and going places no one had ever heard about Jesus. He He was about telling people about Jesus to get them into heaven. Come on. It's the upward call then I believe we have specific trades and occupations. There's an upward call, but God gives us trades and occupations that we do. God gives us in this life what we call the upward call, but he also gives us areas that we work toward uh, in in something that you do. My trade occupation is a pastor. You may be a plumber, you may be a contractor, a nurse, you might be a teacher, you might be a real estate agent, you might be whatever you are, we still have trades and occupations and we still all have this upward call, are you feeling me tonight? Let me give you an example of what I consider this occupation, this trade, and we see it in Paul's life, and yet he had an upward call, okay? So let me, let me read this. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts 18.3, 18.4, and you're going to see this in the Scriptures. Hi in the back. Good to see you all. Met you guys Thursday night. Wonderful. Glad you're here tonight. God bless you. I don't mean to embarrass you. It's just so good to see you here. Wonderful. Acts 18.3 and 18.4. Let me give you an example. So because he was of the same trade, say that with me, trade. Who's Paul talking about here is Aquila. Aquila had the same trade as him, okay? Uh, He stayed with them and worked. So we see Aquila is working a trade, um, for by occupation, they were, everyone say that with me, tent makers. (laughs) Tent makers is probably not that common these days, but back in the day, tent making was probably extremely common, especially when the Israelites came out of Egypt. God didn't even dwell in something like this. He dwelt in tents and so forth and so on and so Paul was a tent maker Aquila was a tent maker, and I'm sure there was other tent makers what was Peter it was a fisherman right Matthew was a my point is that these folks had occupations some I'm glad Matthew got away from that praise God but People had trades and they had occupations. Paul was a tent maker by trade. Aquila was a tent maker by trade. But I want to let you know, I don't believe that that was their upward call. Are you feeling me? There's nothing wrong. I want you to have a trade, an occupation. But we also have, every one of us has an upward call that you have to be responsible for so today I want to talk to you. We press through in all these different areas. We have to press through in order to reach the upward call and, and to do what God's called us to do with a trade or occupation. But I want to talk to you. Has anybody ever heard of the word dual threat before? You ever heard of dual threat? Have you ever heard of dual threat? Raise your hand. Dual threat is, is used today in the area of quarterbacking. You'll have quarterbacks that have a dual threat. They I I think colleges look for quarterbacks who have a dual threat. What that means is that they can set in the pocket and they can throw, but also they're like a fullback or a running back. They can run, they can scramble. Everyone say dual threat. Aaron Rodgers is a, probably a good example of a dual threat. Here he is. He, he can throw the snot out of the ball. And, you know, and, 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 and And I'm not even a fan of this team, but he's still a dual threat. He can throw, but he can also scramble, and he can run. Say that with me, dual threat. I want to let you know right now that God wants you, no matter what you do, to be a dual threat. No, 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 no. Y'all got to go with me right now. Listen, you're called to be a dual threat. When Karen Appleby was a, kid, a teacher in school, she was a dual threat. She taught the kids, but she taught the kids. Did you hear that? She was a dual threat. Don't think of a trade or occupation of something of lower. It's just that we have trades and occupations, and we have a upward call, and a lot of us are called to both of those things, and God wants you to be like Aaron Rodgers in, in doing many things, not just an upward call, not just a plumber, but being a dual threat. I was a general contractor in California, okay? I had license in Washington. I used to manage a gym, but I wanna tell you right now, those were trades and occupations. My upward call was not painting and roofing and framing. But I still did those things, and I still used them. I had, I had the owner of the gym tell me one time, J.O., you cannot preach the gospel in this gym any longer. You, I don't, you can't tell nobody else about Jesus. I wasn't even trying. That's the only thing that I knew to tell people. I was like a bartender at the gym. They came with me with problems. I don't have any other, I don't have any other fix for you. I mean, I was trying in the sense that this is what I do, but th- there is no other answer. I have no other answers for you than Jesus. So another woman came to me and talking to me about her problems, and I said, okay, I, I I kept my word. See, you don't have to be a jerk to your owners. I took her out on the front sidewalk. I did. I took her out on the front sidewalk. And led her to Christ. I think I led her to Christ, or prayed for her or something. My point is that I honored the owners, but I'm not all about the owners. I'm about Jesus, my owner. And you can be a dual threat. I don't care what your occupation or trade is. Oh, Jo, I'm not. I can't. I can't tell nobody about Jesus. I don't believe that. You can't. You can't be using that excuse when you get to heaven. Each and every one of us is called to be a dual threat. We're here to build the church, build people. We're here to build marriages and build families. But we're also here, listen, there's an aspect of us is to build businesses and uh, impact the political world, build uh, in the area of education, in the area of nursing or doctors or, or, or real estate or construction or plumbing or everyone say dual threat. Nehemiah was a man who had, he was a dual threat. If you've never read the book of Nehemiah, I encourage you, after this sermon, you should just go read it. You should, you should read it. This could be a, a, a wonderful book for you to read this week, is Nehemiah. Does anybody know what Nehemiah was? Everyone say cupbearer. Thank you. Everyone say it again cupbearer. He was a cupbearer. I don't personally know any cupbearers, but I want to let you know this was a very high calling that he had as a trade and an occupation. He was a cupbearer, it was an official, high ranking position. He served the drinks at the royal table. He was a, you could say, waiter, but don't get the wrong idea with that to think, okay, he's a waiter at McDonald's. All right. There's nothing wrong with waiting at McDonald's. I'm saying, but what he did, he had to be fully trusted by the king so the king would not get poisoned. He guarded the king's cup and sometimes would take swallows of the wine before he would serve the king to know that the king wouldn't get poisoned and died only a few was selected to be a cupbearer he had a high place of authority in the king's house everyone say dual threat I would consider that's Nehemiah's trade and occupation. Follow me. One day, he talked to some Jewish brothers to find out how the Jews were doing, how Jerusalem was doing, and he found out that the walls had been torn down, broken down, gates had been burned, and the Bible says that Nehemiah, he sat down and he prayed and he wept. He fasted, he wept, and he mourned, For many days, and he prayed and he fasted, something took place inside of Nehemiah's heart. Okay, he was a cupbearer, but I believe that during that time where he wept and fasted and prayed, man, something that of God fell upon him when he heard about uh, Jerusalem and about the wall of the city and the gates being burned, all of a sudden, listen to me, I believe that there was a calling that fell upon Nehemiah. There was a calling from God. He was a cupbearer by trade, but I'm telling you, there was a higher calling that fell upon him. He goes before the king, and when he went before the king, the king had never seen Nehemiah sad before, okay? There's something to be said about that. That's probably a sermon in his own when we come into the house of God, we should put I think it's okay to put faith on our face. We don't have to look like a lot of prunes, right? It's okay because we're coming before his throne. We're coming to to lift up the name of Jesus. Come on, I can work past all my crazy emotions. The king had never seen him sad before, and the king sees Nehemiah, and he's like, what's going on, Nehemiah? When Nehemiah began to share his heart with the king. I mean, I'm sure this took bravery for him to do because he had never seen him sad before. And he began to tell him about his, his people and about the city of God. And, and the favor of God obviously fell on Nehemiah because the king allowed Nehemiah to leave and to go to work on Jerusalem. And he also gave him letters. Uh, for other governors. And so Nehemiah goes, and as soon as he got out, began to do what he felt like God called him, everyone say upper call. Nehemiah was immediately faced with resistance, immediately. I'm going to tell you right now, when you're doing something good and when you're building for God, it can be your family, it can be your children, your marriage, it can be your ministry city group. It can be out saturate. It could be whatever it is. I'm telling you, when you're doing something for God, you will face resistance. You I why do you say that? I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you about four places of resistance that he faced. Why? Why do you want so it doesn't surprise you? The devil hates you. He wants to do three things kill, steal, and and destroy you. Are you feeling me? Don't be all like, "Oh, I'm so shocked that all hell's breaking loose in my life." You? I'm telling you in advance. If you're doing something for God, you're going to face resistance. Nehemiah immediately, he instantly faces resistance. Look what it says in Nehemiah 2:10. If you, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Nehemiah. We're going to hang out in Nehemiah, I think, mostly for the rest of the night. Find Nehemiah. Nehemiah 2.10, and it says this, Then Sambalé, I'm going to call him Sambalé the Henri. Can I do that? He's like night I'm going to say Sambalé the ornery. And Tobiah, the Ammonite, officially heard of it. What did they officially heard? They officially heard that Nehemiah was going to do something good. You would think, Sambalaya and Tobiah, why don't you get excited for uh, uh, Nehemiah doing something good? Everybody's not excited about your plan, your vision, and what you're called to do. Everyone's not excited about what you want to build. Sambalaya and Tobiah... Listen, let me just read the scriptures and you'll see what I'm talking about. They were deeply disturbed. Say that with me, deeply disturbed. disturbed. Say it with me again, 100% deeply disturbed. disturbed. You're in college right now. You're, You're in this class. You're trying to build your life and your future. The enemy doesn't like that. The enemy doesn't like anything about you that's good. The enemy, when you want to do something good, he is deeply disturbed. And sometimes people are puppets for the enemy. You'll find that in life. That doesn't mean that you don't forgive them. That doesn't mean that you don't pray for them. That doesn't mean any of that. But I'm telling you, people are sometimes puppets for the enemy. And just like God uses people, I want to tell you right now, in a good way, the devil uses people. Okay, he's using Tobiah and Sam Belay right here. And they're deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. They're deeply disturbed that Nehemiah has the well-being of Israel in his heart. How crazy is that? You would think everybody in the world would be excited because Nehemiah's got the well-being of Israel in their heart, but everybody wasn't. Tobiah and uh, uh, Sambale and uh, Tobiah was not. Let me tell you tonight, number one, the enemy is deeply disturbed at you because you are a, I hope you are a dual threat. If you haven't been a dual threat, I, I'm, I'm, I'm passing on knowledge to you tonight that everybody here at Heart of the City Church should be a dual threat. Anytime that you are building and doing anything good, anything from your marriage to your family to your business to whatever it is, you are a dual threat and the enemy is deeply disturbed at you. Look at your neighbor and go, the enemy is deeply disturbed at you. He's disturbed. Nehemiah, after finding, you know, after the scripture says that, you'll see in Nehemiah, I'm going to just kind of surf through a little bit. In, 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 in Nehemiah 2.18, you'll see that, that or 2.17 and 18, Nehemiah is talking to everyone, and, and he says this. He says, we are, look, look what he says at the end of 18 right there. He says, let us rise and build. Then they set their hands to do this good work. Let us rise and build and build when we do things like saturate over 3000 homes was touched today just from heart of the city church and there was a thousand more of the altar reached today and who knows other churches when you choose to do something to rise up build to do to put your hands to the plow and do good work i want to let you know that the enemy is not pumped about that Look at verse 19 and 20. Look what it says. Here we go. Here's these two dudes again. Here we go. Here we go. Whoever Sambalay is and Tobiah in your life. But when Sambalay Tob- uh, the Honorary, yeah. here we go, Tobiah the Ammonite official, uh, Geshem the Ara- uh, Arab, heard of it, look, 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 they laughed at us and despised and said, what is this thing you're doing like today? The enemy laughing at you, part of prayer, part of saturate, maybe going to a class, part of a city group, even here tonight. What do you think you're doing? Just laughing and despises you. That's what the enemy does. Will you rebel against the king? So I answered and said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us, therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. Say that with me, arise and build. We're all called. From now on, you can never say that you don't know at Heart of the City Church. We're all called to rise and build the kingdom of God, the church, people's lives. Arise and build, but you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. Number two, the enemy despises you. And laughs at you when you try to do anything good or to build on that behalf of of, of good, build on the behalf of God. He He despises you and laughs at you because you are a dual threat. You're a dual threat of building your family, but building the church. You're a dual threat because here you are, you're at work, but you're also sharing the gospel at work and praying for people. You're at school. And you're getting the education, but you're also educating people on Jesus Christ. Some, come on, somebody! You're in a you're in a you're in a, a university, and the professor thinks he knows everything, but he doesn't know Jesus, so he doesn't he doesn't know the the key person. And now you're there to pray for him and to share with him, so forth and so on. Amen. My last class in my s in my philosophy existentialism class, I'd gotten saved. And all I did, I didn't care what my teacher said. All I did was my last class was I, sh- I preached to God. I shared my whole testimony in, a, in, my, in my paper. And I think I got like a C plus or a C minus. I didn't even care because I'd gotten radically saved. Okay, we're called to be a dual threat. Are you with me tonight? Are you feeling me? What are you building or what are you rebuilding? I hope you're a dual threat. I hope after tonight, no matter what you do for a living, if you're out there and you, you do, just tell me something that you do. Call center. Man, you can pray for people over the phone. Come on, tell me something else you do. Framer. Absolutely. Framing, but man, you can be out there and be light. And give people a friend. What else do you do? I'm a trainer. trainer. Well, tra- physical trainer? Personal. Personal trainer. Wow. What an incredible thing. You know, as a, a person who used to manage a gym and, uh, and I, tra- I got to train people, you get real intimate with people in their life and you can just share Christ with them. It's an amazing thing. Dual threat. Look at your neighbor, look right into their eyes. Prophesied into their heart and to their eyes. You are a dual threat. Tell them. The enemy is disturbed. The enemy despises. The enemy laughs and mocks at you. Look at this one. Nehemiah one. Listen. But it so happened when Sambalai Heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. Do not be surprised if the enemy is infurious at you, mocks you, and indignant towards you. Are you feeling me tonight? Okay. I'm trying to equip, now I'm going to get to a couple of good things, but I'm trying to equip you that you understand the enemy is furious, he's indignant towards you when you are building something good or something for God. Now both, all of it's for God, but I'm trying to, to let you know that there's a higher upward call and there's what I consider trade and occupation, all right? You may work at the school, and, and you're helping build that school and building students. At the same time, the upward, call, the dual threat is that you can share Christ with people. Amen. Amen. Dual threat. Look at this one, Nehemiah 4.8. And all of them conspire together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Let me make sure that you got number three back there. The enemy is furious and indignant. Did you get that? He's furious and indignant towards you for building something good. Now what does he do? He comes to attack you and bring confusion into your life. You know, confusion is an amazing tactic of the enemy because if he can confuse you, guess what? You're not going to be building very well at all. You're gonna get, you can get so selfish in fear and confusion. It's like, oh my goodness, I just gotta take care of myself now because I'm so stinking confused and I'm so fearful and it's just, it all turns in. Are you with me? It all, the enemy wants you to turn in and just, like, I just would never do saturate. What would happen if I walk up to someone's door and put a bag on their door? I was walking up someone's door and, I get there to the door and hang it and then the woman opens up the door and she smiled at me and she says, Oh, I saw you coming. I said, Oh, hope you have a wonderful day. Praise God, or something like that. Another guy was coming up, driving up. I says, Hey, can I give you this bag? It's got a Jesus video on it and some information on the church. He was like, Yeah. Wow, it's not that hard. Come on, somebody. It's not scary. It's not scary. <laughs> it's not. Just being, hey, it's amazing if you're nice to people and you ask for permission. Stephen gave great information this morning. Stay off people's grass. If there's a gate, hang it on the gate. If it says no solicitation, don't solicit. I was like, great information. I follow that information, Stephen. Amen? Number four, the enemy attacks and creates confusion. Confusion. Why did I call this tonight hitting the wall? Because when you're building something great for God, you can hit the wall or you can hit the wall. You can hit the wall like I'm burnt out, the enemy's against me, or you can continue to hit the wall and press on and help build the wall. Are you feeling me? This is what Nehemiah did. Though he was attacked by Tobiah and Sambalaya and so forth and so on, he was hit, he was hit, he was hit. But you know what he did? He chose to press on. Instead of just hitting the wall and stopping, he hit the wall and completed the wall. Do you know what Nehemiah did? Because he was, he was tenacious and he continued to push forward through all the threats of Tobiah and Sanballat. Do you know what he ended up doing? They ended up finishing the wall in 52 days. 52 days. this is what I want you to walk away with this is your playbook for night for tonight whenever whenever you are building for God and you have the Tobias and Sasamblas and the enemy coming against your business coming against your family or your marriage I want you to walk away with two things that we all do in this place. The first one is number one pray. Joe can you not give us something new? I want to show you what they did say this with me pray nehemiah 4 9 says this nevertheless should be behind me we made our prayer to our god everyone say pray and because of them we set a watch against them day and night they prayed and they watched matthew 26 41 watch and pray Least you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. My flesh is always weak, but the spirit of God in me is always willing. Watch and pray. Tell your neighbor right now, watch and pray. That's a dual threat right there. Watch and pray. Those building the wall, they had a, weapon in one hand, and they had a tool in the other hand. There was a group that worked, and there was a group that watched out, weaponry, and so forth and so on. Come on, everyone say dual threat. threat. Ne- Nehemiah had to deal with corruption of people and usury. They made him uh, the governor of He was a, the dude was a dual threat. Everyone say pray. But he did something else. He just didn't pray. Number two, apply this to your life. Whatever you're going through right now. He prayed and number two, stay. Say that with me, stay. Pray and stay. Pray and stay. I want you to walk out of here. i praying and staying. I'm going to pray and I'm going to stay. He prayed. And he stayed. Look what it says, Nehemiah six two. And Samble and uh, Geshem sent him, saying, "Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ona or Ono." But they thought to do him harm. They're trying to look. look, look. They're trying to distract Nehemiah from doing what he was doing. He had, he went there with an upper call. Look! Look at Nehemiah's response. Look at this. Verse 3, 6, 3. Look at this. Man, feel this tonight. So I sent a messenger to them saying, I'm doing a great work. Look at your neighbor right now and say, you're doing a great work. Doing a great work. I'm doing a, say that with me. I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why would the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? Somebody say, stay. Stay, Stay, somebody. I'm not going to come off the wall. I'm going to pray. We're going to watch and pray. I'm not getting off the wall. You're not going to distract me. I'm not going to come off this wall and listen to your mess, your accusations, your threats, your confusion, your fear, your lies. That's exactly. They did this once. They did it five times. The last time was an open letter. Listen to what the open letter was to Nehemiah. I want to read that. It says this in verses 5 through 8. Then Sambalai sent his servant to me as before. The fifth time. Somebody say the fifth time. Just just going to get this guy. I'm going to take him down. You know what you got to do? You got to press on. You got to press on. He the a fifth time with an open letter in his hand. And it was written. Listen to this report. It is uh, reported among the nations, the Geshem says that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, you are rebuilding the wall that you may be their king. You have also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning that Jerusalem there, saying, there is a king in Judah. Now these matters will be reported to the king, so come, therefore, and let us consult together. You know what he's doing right there? Lying, lying, lying. Lying. The enemy is lying, lying, lying. He didn't do this to be king. He didn't do this to set prophets up to set himself up as a king. He did this in order to repair Jerusalem and the people of God. He everyone say lie. Then I sent him saying, No such things as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. You are a stinking liar. Yeah. And by the way, I don't care if it's five times or ten times, I'm not coming off my wall because I'm doing a great work, and I'm gonna stay on the wall, and I'm gonna build, I'm gonna build, I'm gonna build, I'm gonna build. So you pray, listen to me. You pray and you stay. You pray and you stay in that marriage. No, 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 you you better listen to me tonight. You pray and you stay in that marriage you pray and you stay in that ministry you pray and you stay in that business you pray and you stay you pray and you stay in CR come on somebody you pray and you stay anytime you're building the enemy Tobiah he wants to come over and over and over and you press on in your brain and you're praying and you're staying. Are you with me tonight? Be a dual threat. If you ain't used to scrambling, learn to scramble. If all you've done is stay in the pocket and throw the ball, get out of the pocket and begin to run. Learn to build. Come on, learn to pour into people's life. Learn to preach the gospel. Be a dual threat. Everybody said amen.